Hey there, busy teachers. I'm Jodie and I'm obsessed with all things teacher related. With over a decade of teaching and leadership experience, I'm here alongside some incredible voices of the teaching profession to share some wisdom and tips with you. As teachers, we love to teach, but we live to learn. And so this is the time for you to sit back, relax and absorb some magical teachings that will help lift and inspire you. This is the Busy Teachers Club podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Busy Teachers Club podcast. This week, can we just have a minute for planning outside of your comfort zone? So I'm joined today by big legend and true friend of mine, Stephen Langstaff, who I've I've had the absolute pleasure of working alongside for many years now. Not only is Stephen one of the literal nicest people you'll meet, he's also a published poet and also has a real wealth of varied experience during his teaching career so far. And it's that experience that we're going to be tapping into in this episode. So welcome to the show, Stevie. Thank you very much. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Okay, so <laughs> I'd like to start with this question before we dive in. So can you just talk us through your journey as a teacher so far and what would you say is your passion within the field of education? Um, so, so far I started as an English trainee um, and got a job at my current school um, as an English teacher and had a very good um, mentor for that as well. Um, <laughs> that was that was you, by the way. Um, yeah, <laughs> that was me, yeah. <laughs> um, I then progressed to a, a sort of whole school role um, on something called the Achievement Team that deals with disadvantaged students and kind of pushing the top end. Um, and then I made a move back into the English department for a um, leadership role within the English department. I left the school for a year to become um, assistant curriculum leader in an English department at a different school and then returned um, <laughs> bizarrely as head of RE and our respect curriculum, which is our PSHE um, curriculum, which was seen it's, it's less less like a, a sort of strange segue of my career when when you consider the, the sort of experience I've had along the way but it does sound very odd when when I kind of say yeah I'm head of RE now. <laughs> yeah and what would you say is your passion then within the field of education what you're passionate about? Um, it, I feel like it kind of it's gone a bit full circle because when I first got into teaching I kind of really wanted to be a, a head of department head of an English department um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I really do enjoy being a head of department now obviously it's not English but it's kind of a slightly different focus but then I really wanted to get into a pastoral um kind of role um but then it kind of that kind of doesn't exist massively for teaching staff um a lot of the time now that there is there are still some pastoral roles around but it's certainly um less less recognized as a role for for teaching staff um Mm. And then I became a head of department with this kind of extra responsibility for PSHE. And it kind of marries the two things that I wanted to do perfectly, really. So I get some really nice curricular decision making and, and sort of the opportunity to be creative around the curriculum. And I also get to kind of look after the, the children as whole individuals and, and hopefully mm-hmm. make them more well-rounded before they, before they leave. So I kind of feel like I've got a, a kind of best of both worlds, really, for what I've wanted to do. Yeah, that definitely. That's definitely what that sounds like. Um, so let's start off by talking about that respect curriculum then that you've mentioned. So you've been a massive part of creating that at our school. Can you first of all talk us through the idea behind the curriculum then and the importance you think it holds within education? Um, well, I mean, as a as a as a head of department, I, I'm, I must admit that I'm very lucky 
to be in a school that kind of puts PSHE and, and the kind of SM, SMSC curriculum really at the forefront of what it does. We, you know, we have a dedicated hour per week per year group. So it, it's a lot more than, than kind of other schools are afforded in a, in a lot of ways. Some schools just have like a drop down half term. Mm. Maybe schools just have drop down days um, to do um, PSHE things or some do it in, in form time. Um, so we are really lucky that we get like this dedicated hour per week. Um, and it's, it kind of encapsulates everything that, that is obviously mandatory for the curriculum to, to include. So things such as relationships and sex ed. Um, drugs education and um, things about um, I don't know marriage we've got a certain amount of um, religious education to, to get in there as well because we offer RE as um, a full GCSE um, option rather than the short course that everybody does so we need to make sure that our students are having some um, religious input um, throughout their five years consistently mm -hmm. so that's got to be in there so there's there's a lot of consideration to to the curriculum design there's a lot of things that we that we actually can't omit and we can't get around but mm. there's a lot of things that we are also really um quite flexible with and things that we're quite creative around as well and, and how we how we fit them in um so yeah it, it's 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 a really it's something that i feel really fortunate to be doing because it, it feels like it's it holds a vital place in a student's overall um education and there are things in there that you know when we're when we're dealing with kind of sex education or we're dealing with drugs and alcohol there are questions that you just wouldn't expect and sometimes I think maybe it's just me but sometimes I think maybe I think the kids maybe know more than they actually do I just I like, kind of assume that they do and when there's a question I think oh that's really quite a sweet and innocent question to have asked and um, so yeah it, I think it really does play a vital part because we are addressing misconceptions about the world around them and, and hopefully making them aware of things that they will make choices about later on in life. Yeah, more in a more informed way. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk about some of those lessons that you've created then within that curriculum. So can you talk us through an example? I know, um, obviously, I've taught lots of your lessons that you've planned for respect. Um, you did a brilliant um, unit around diversity. So could you talk us through maybe one of those examples and then reflect a little bit on the planning process and consider, I guess, whether or not it was different or similar to planning for, say, English? Yeah, um, so with that diversity scheme of work, it's kind of like to do with dispelling um, discrimination and, and things like that. So we, we did stuff on the concept of systemic racism. We've done... Um, lessons around sort of racist language in the media or at least at least language that isn't outwardly racist but the way that people are portrayed in the media and how people are treated slightly differently um, and really there's only one thing that it can be explained to be really um, yeah. and it's you know opening students eyes to to that and to be a more discerning consumer of the press that they that they um are kind of being being fed I suppose that the media that they're being fed um, and being more discerning with how they read that and, and what to what to take from it and what to trust and what not to trust um, and and that turned into this idea of um, the LGBTQIA plus community and misconceptions around that and then we came together at the end um, around 
intersectionality and intersectionality is something that we keep coming back to so when we do anything around like um disability or we do anything around gender um it kind of always comes back around to this idea of intersectionality and that you know privilege isn't just based on the color of your skin it's it's kind of based on a variety of, of different factors and it's making the students kind of not it's doing it in a sensitive way to make them feel that they're not being attacked if they hold some of that privilege but it's making them aware that that privilege exists um, and and it's doing it in a way that is you know palatable to our parents as well and palatable to um the department for education who have um, things to say about the way that we deliver lessons on racism and, and on these issues but it's just making sure that students are aware i mean in terms of the planning of these things, I always kind of give the caveat to the students that, you know, as a, as a white man who's middle class, cisgender, straight, all of the kind of privileges that you that you might expect, I always kind of say, you know, it's not it's not the it's not the easiest thing in the world to plan some of these lessons because mm. I they're, they're from the lens that I plan them through, um, which isn't always lived experience and it isn't always as authentic maybe as it might be so in terms of the planning process it's doing a lot of research it's um you know getting getting ideas from local authorities so we we do a lot of work with brooke in manchester who um mm. are a brilliant sort of sex and relationships education provider um we do work with healthy schools manchester who have a lot of things um, and resources so it is that that element of sharing resources, taking the things that are relevant to our students and trying to make it as relevant as possible. Um, and it's using members of staff to their full ability as well. Like mm. the, the member of staff who works with me in the RE department has recently planned, um, he's a Muslim and he's recently planned uh, an Islamophobia lesson for our year seven respect. So it's not something that he will deliver but it's using a, a kind of a voice and expertise, a passion to, mm -hmm. to kind of make that lesson a lot more authentic than it would have been had I have planned it. Um, and we've had really good feedback from those lessons. And, you know, we've got teachers who are, um, you know, ne neurodivergent themselves or have children who are neurodivergent and uh, looking to, to bring some of that expertise into, into the lesson planning for next year. So it's, it's always looking for opportunities to kind of, amplify voices and, and also give members of staff and students the ability to to change the course of where this curriculum goes and, and what is important to our students. I absolutely love that. I think the idea of collaboration is is really key with a with a curriculum like that. So I, I definitely think that um that means and it, may, it makes the lessons like you say more kind of um engaging more authentic I particularly like as well the the creative edge that these lessons have. So it's not just kind of, um, you know, giving reeling off like facts and, and figures to students. It's giving them creative opportunities um, so that they can do something creative with that information that they've gained from the lessons. So an example I'm thinking of is the lessons around diversity that then led to a protest art lesson, which the students were absolutely um massively enthusiastic about and, and that art work then being shared across the school you know to raise awareness and 
it's joining those dots, isn't it? It kind of takes it beyond and outside of the classroom, which is what we want those conversations to be being had in a genuine capacity with other people outside of those four walls. Yeah, that's something that, and I'm glad you picked up on that because that's something that um, <laughs> I've been really passionate about implementing since I, since I was um, put in post really. Um, before I took the role, um, there were, we had, we had like progress tests and assessments in, in our respect classes. Um, and it just kind of felt, particularly on the back of the pandemic, where students had enough um, progress tests and, and assessments to be getting on with and, and enough stress coming back into school, I kind of felt it was a little bit inappropriate to be giving this, this hour to, to be doing another test, particularly when there wasn't a, a mark scheme as such. There was no standardised way of doing it. There was... Um, and, and ultimately, we don't offer a GCSE in it. So it kind of felt like collecting data for, for the sake of data. So the payoff for that um, and kind of what I, what I spoke to the head teacher about was if we get rid of these assessments, can we bring some of the pastoral curriculum into respect and kind of work side by side? So the pastoral curriculum does a lot of um, leadership qualifications, such as the mm -hmm. SSAT student leadership qualification. So what if we make sure that in our respect lessons, the students can have some evidence towards that, that leadership. So it still gives the, the work that they're completing in the lesson some weight and some kind of reason to be doing it, as well as just to be more well-informed, um, but also to, to kind of give them a, a target to aim for, I suppose. So we did in year nine, some work around poverty um, and we did some work around the cladding in Manchester. Um, so the, the kind of buildings with dangerous cladding, like on the back of Grenfell. Um, mm. And what we did was we, we wrote, every, every single student wrote um, a letter um, addressed to Andy Burnham, the mayor, um, to send him what we think about the, the, this cladding, the idea that, yes, there's a pandemic on, but let's not lose focus that there are some people living in Manchester, in our city, that, um, that, are, that are currently bound in their houses um, in lockdown or have been in lockdown in a very dangerous environment potentially and um, we need to keep focus yeah. on that and use it and um, so the idea behind that was with SSAT you get like bronze silver gold so everybody who wrote a letter got bronze the ones who you know were recommended by their teacher got silver for that particular skill and the ones that we actually sent to Andy Burnham's office were awarded gold so there was an incentive for each thing but it was yeah. also it's it's activism as well and it's and it's getting the students yeah. to do something and to care and to you know to show yeah. them that these injustices are happening and they have the actual ability to do something about it yeah I absolutely love that it's kind of you know making it making it feel to them like they can make a difference and like you say encouraging them to care about things that that have real purpose you're not just writing this letter for the sake of it we're going to send these off like it automatically kind of elevates that purpose for that task doesn't it absolutely yeah. love that well, we did, um, it. we did a similar thing as well with our um, EPR students. So we got them to contact the CEO of, of our trust, not just our head teacher, but we went for, you know, we, we aimed at the top um, about how to make the trust more sustainable. And I kind of said to the students, with the Andy Burnham letters from that another year group did, it's just us kind of adding our voice to this discomfort and kind of just adding to, to the the pressure of someone in, in a post that can do something about it. Whereas with these year eight students, it was like, no, this is the direct line to your, um, the head of your trust. 
to actually make tangible change in the school. Um, and she loved it. She, she got some of our students presenting um, at, a, at a trust-wide meeting. No students have ever been um, invited to this meeting before. Um, and they've presented to, to governors, they've presented to um, the CEO of the trust about sustainability, not just for our school, but for, for our trust of schools. So they found that to be, you know, such a, a lovely experience and our students yeah. you know were desperate for their letters to be sent to her because yeah. they wanted to actually make a change yeah that's incredible that's really really incredible and I think that's such a powerful body of work that you've been a part of creating that you should be very proud Stephen <laughs> um okay we're gonna move on to your the number of hats that you've worn within your teaching career so you um your most current role then head of RE which is not your um, it's not the subject that you've got a degree in or your teaching degree in. How have you found planning out of your comfort zone then? Because you must have felt outside your comfort zone at, 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 at points. Yeah, absolutely. I feel I feel it the most at Key Stage 4. Um, obviously, I've got a, this year, I've got a Year 11 um, class, which, you know, I, I, I do, for saying that, I'm, I'm fairly experienced now. I'm, I'm pretty comfortable in a classroom. Um, I do get the fear um, before teaching them because, you know, there are things there are things that I, that I just don't know at times. Um, but part of, I think, the trust between a teacher and a, and a class is sometimes holding your hands up to that and saying, you know, yeah. actually, I, I don't know that mm -hmm. at the minute, but I, I'll look it up and I'll get you an answer. Um, I'm becoming more confident with, with the marking process, more confident with the planning process. Um, I'm lucky that there was... A, already a brilliant set of resources for me to kind of use learn from tweak and and kind of you know put my own stamp on um but it is just a case of kind of you know doing a bit of research and, and reading up and and mm. trying where possible to to immerse yourself in it um so I do feel like I know a lot more than than I did but I've still got a long way to go um, I'm also lucky that I've got a, another member of staff who is extremely knowledgeable um so he's he's someone that i lean on quite a lot in terms of double checking my marking sometimes um double checking what i'm saying is right for when i'm planning a lesson um so key stage four has been the most difficult thing but that's kind of the thing for us that is most set in stone because it's, it's mainly dictated by what's on the exam anyway um so there are only so many things that you can do um but i've really loved planning for key stage three um I kind of feel like I've been able to be more creative. Um, so we, we've, we've scaled back some of the things that traditionally we did in the department, um, such as taking whole half terms, one after another, to focus on a religion at a time. Um, the students were finding it a, a little bit dry um, and, and maybe not as, not as exciting as, as it can get, um, particularly in year seven. And year eight was very debatey. So we wanted to bring some of those debates down into year seven. Um, our year sevens are currently doing artwork all this half term. So they're entering um, Spirited Arts competition, which is a national competition about spirituality and, and um, using artwork to sort of show spirituality. Um, but that was already out there. So it's just us kind of looking yeah. at opportunities where we can kind of grab the students and think, what can we do to, to spice this up a little bit? So mm. towards the end of this year, I think it's in the very last half term for year eight, we're doing a, an outside the big six um, 
scheme of work. So we're, we're doing kind of like more minor religions, more kind of lesser known worldwide religions, looking at my, maybe kind of widening the scope and, and you know, decolonizing as well, because, you know, we, obviously we do, um, you know, we look at Sikhism, we look at um, Islam, but also that, you know, there are a lot of um, different uh, faiths around the world, like in Africa, for example, that we just never touch upon. So it's that idea of, for want of a better word, the, the hinterland and, mm. and, and giving students that kind of wider knowledge to show that actually all of these religions have really similar um, things to them, you know, and, and basically they're all about living a good life and, and community and coming together. So it's, yeah. and, and we're also going to touch on humanism as well, because a lot of our students probably would, would identify probably as atheist, but whether they actually are atheist or whether they're, they're potentially humanist is, is something else. So I'd like to be able to kind of introduce them to that concept and to see whether that resonates with any of them as well, just as a, just as a thing that we can do because we, you know, we, we feel like it's important to, to give them a bit more scope, I suppose. Yeah, I love that. I think it's really clear that you're passionate. And I think my first, when you, when you were talking then, I was kind of thinking, wow, that sounds like a lot of work. Like you, you still teaching, you still teach some English, you know, you, you're the head of a, de a department that's not your specialist subject. That must be a lot of work, all the research, all the kind of, and I guess it kind of dispelled that question a little bit as you carried on because the enthusiasm and the passion just came through. So I think I'm guessing, does that drive you then? Does that kind of carry you? Because it, it sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, it's been, it has been a lot of work. I've, there, there have been some times when I've been maybe more clever and, and repurposed certain things and moved them down from year eight into year seven. But obviously that year eight hole needs filling then. Um, yeah. So there has been a lot of, of rejigging and a lot of planning new things. Um, but, it, you know, it is rewarding ultimately, especially when, you know, obviously right into the CEO was part of a, a kind of environmental and how religions respond to, to environmental issues and um, part of a, a kind of four or five week scheme of work um, but but the the payoff for that was was great because the kids really bought into it they enjoyed the the letter writing process and, and they've really sort of got some self-esteem from actually having their letters read and and responded to mm. um, the artwork's been lovely because kids have really jumped on it and, and have enjoyed it. I feel like we've gone a little bit further with some of our year sevens and eights in terms of their ability to debate and their ability to take on high um, concept ideas. Um, mm. So it has been a lot of work, but it, do, you know what, do you know when you feel like you haven't really got an option? If you want this to work the way that you feel it could work, it kind of feels like, you know, this needs doing, so I'm going to have to... Yeah. You yeah. have to do it um so it is kind of like it is that as it's a compulsion I suppose to I mean that makes me sound ridiculous like workaholic I'm, I'm you know I'm really not try I try to you know have a good work-life balance but I, I suppose it's it's just making sure that the students are, are doing stuff that you would have wanted to do I think in the classroom and, I, and yeah. I never loved I never loved RE but to be honest I never really loved school when I was there so that's always been a bit of a a kind of thing for me is to, to make the classroom as fun and interesting as possible and that's what me and um, my colleague kind of talked about at the beginning of the year what we what is our mission statement and our mission statement is obviously for students to learn in RE to become empathetic and well-rounded 
um, and understanding um, citizens of the world. And our third one was that we want them to have fun. Um, if they don't choose our subject, then we want them to have had a memorable few years of, of RE lessons. We can't control massively whether they want to take our subject or not. We can do our best, but ultimately we just want them to have a fun and memorable time while they're with us and, and learn something about the world. And that's yeah. kind of all we can ask for. That sounds like the dream. Um, so spinning on from that then, you've, you've covered quite a lot of ground there. So I wonder if for anyone that's kind of listening, that's having to plan some lessons outside of their comfort zone, whether they're secondary or primary, if they've been kind of given, tasked with, you know, creating a bank of lessons and it's not their specialism, what would your kind of three main tips be to kind of getting through that? Um, I think play to your own strengths obviously you've heard me talking about writing letters to people obviously that comes yeah. from my English teacher background and using um the things that I already know work and the things that I already know I'm comfortable and confident with and um, to help get the best out of students so you know I, I've even had um some year 11 RE students say to me and other teachers like RE is a lot like English now um, so I think it is that using your own yeah. expertise and using your own your own skill set to kind of make sense of what you're supposed to be doing. Um, collaboration is massively yeah. important. Um, always ask for help. You know, I'm, yes, I'm head of department, but everybody knows that I am not a subject specialist. I'll never pretend that I'm a font of all knowledge. Um, and and to be fair, my colleague is the same. He, he doesn't profess to know everything, but he knows a lot more than I do. So you know, that, that approach of, of double checking things with one another and, and talking through ideas is, is vital really. And that goes with the respect curriculum as well. Um, and talking through ideas with, you know, various people around the school who've got expertises in, in certain areas or, or invested interest in certain areas. Mm -hmm. um, and my third tip, God, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think probably just like research and, and, and have as much fun as you can with it, I suppose. You yeah. know, just, just really you know take it as a challenge and take it as something that you have the opportunity to learn as well um mm. because you know I'm not a re I'm not an RE expert I'm not an RE graduate but I've learned a lot and and it's and it's fascinating it's a fascinating subject it really is um so yeah just just making sure that you that you're passionate about something within that area I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> <And> anything <laughs> otherwise you're just gonna <laughs> dislike life and that's not literally good no, you're always looking on the bright side, you. I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> um, listen, thank you so much for coming on and chatting to us. I think so much can be learned from your experience and outlook on things. You're a real inspiration, you know. Um, thank you very much. If, if you'd like to connect with Stephen, you can find him on Instagram at Night Terrors Poetry. His poetry is really amazing, and I'm genuinely not just saying that because he's my mate. So do check him out on Instagram. If you're interested in receiving a bit more support with your planning, you're going to want to check out the Busy Teachers Club subscription, which is a resource and support subscription that is full to the brim with guidance, resources and training. And this month, the big focus is on planning. So listen to the outro for more information on how to get involved or you can head to busyteachersclub.co.uk to find out more. That's everything for this episode then, guys. So until next time, busy teachers, have the best week.
For more information on today's topic, head over to Instagram at Busy Teachers Club and look out for today's podcast post to join the conversation. I would love to hear your thoughts. The content of this podcast links perfectly with this month's Busy Teachers Club membership. For more support with your professional development, classroom resources and teacher well-being, head over to busyteachersclub.co.uk to learn more about our monthly subscription, which provides an abundance of timely support, resources and inspiration directly to your inbox every month. This will help you to continue to learn and grow as a teacher without having to do all of the research and planning yourself. What a time saver. With key monthly foci, including closing the gap, curriculum, teaching and learning, leadership and more. And with every month, including book recommendations and resources to help you to continue to diversify your curriculum. This really is a goldmine of value for $4.99 a month. That's all for now. Thank you so much for listening. And just remember, busy teachers, no matter how tough it feels, there is always light because the light is you.